Hey everybody, Billy here from Beauty and the Breakdown Podcast. Just to make a short announcement that I've set up a Patreon page so that now if you feel like you want to give something towards this podcast to keep it up and going, that would be a major blessing from you to me. And I appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast. I hope that it helps you know and to grow and to flow in the things that God has for you or anyone that you may encounter that you can talk to about God. If you'd like to go to the Patreon page to donate to Beauty and the Breakdown, you can go to patreon.podbean.com forward slash beautyandthebreakdown803. Or if you would like to go to the direct site, which contains all the players and all the links to where the show is streaming, you can go to beautyandthebreakdown803.podbean.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace be with you. Hey, 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 hey. Hope everybody's doing good on this Monday. Well, (laughs) I say that, but, you know, whatever day that you choose to listen. Um, I try to, you know, keep this thing going every Monday. I try to uh, record the episodes on Monday because it's a fresh start for me. And I try to post the episodes every Monday to keep it fresh for you. You know what's really crazy is sometimes I feel like I'm running out of topics, you know, because it, or not necessarily that I am running out of topic, but really that uh, because I, I do this every week that, oh my God, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. I never run out of things to talk about. Um, not because necessarily that I like to, you know, run my mouth all the time and, you know, talk, 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 but... It's, you know, there's just so much here that is transformative and helpful. And uh, I enjoy spilling the beans to you guys. I wanted to ask a question uh, before we start off this episode. And I mean, I just, I just want to come out swinging here. And I just want to ask. It's safe to ask questions, right? Question with boldness, as they say. Does, uh, does Jesus hate fags? <laughs> I only ask this because the signs are everywhere, right? I mean, you see the street preachers and the, you know, the ones out there screaming in people's faces and doing all that that really anger people a whole lot. And it really, like I said before, puts a lot of, you know, terrible taste in people's mouths as far as, you know, who God is. And, you know, I I just wonder, does Jesus hate fags? That's what their signs say. But, you know... I believe in Jesus, the Son of Man, that came to die for my sins and the sins of the world and how good he is. And I I don't really see a shred of hate coming from him anywhere. I think all are welcome at the table. Um, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's like, you know, that's a door to everybody's heart, right? So if he 
hates anyone, well, no wonder it makes everybody upset because it defeats the whole purpose of the forgiveness in the cross. So, I don't think he does. Uh, I honestly can't picture him standing on a street corner holding up a sign that says, I hate fags, you know? Um, but that's just the one that stands out the most because that's, that's so terrible. Um, and look, just to set the record straight here, I apologize for using such derogatory language, but that's what's on the signs that these religious fanatics are putting on their poster board and waving in the air. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know what rock you're under, but it's really wrong. So I just wanted to say exactly what is being said by those people. But I'd like to share with you some good news. I saw, and oh man, I'm on TikTok a lot, okay? Uh, I play clips from TikTok because, um, like I said before, they are very short, informative, powerful, and direct. And, it, you know, it's just the right amount of time for your brain to process and move forward and not forget because it's not too much information. So I saw a story that I wish that I had saved at one point. Now, this is going to piss some people off, okay? And probably the religious folks in the crowd and you folks that like to listen to things that you don't agree with and seek out, you know, how to attack. Um, but you can come at me. I don't care. Um, whatever. Blech. So there was a, a lesbian woman and her wife that had moved into a neighborhood and she had good neighbors. And this couple became great friends with their good neighbors. And as they became great friends with their neighbors, they realized that their neighbors were, as some of you would like to say, religious. Uh, but it sounds like these people weren't religious. It sounds like they, they had a relationship with the Lord, and they loved God, and they loved people. Well, these people that they, the lesbian couple lived next to invited the lesbian couple to church. Once they arrived at the church, which took months to get them there, by the way, um, once they arrived there, the lesbian couple was actually very shocked at how they were received by the church, especially the elderly people. They welcomed them, and they didn't try to pry into their life after being there um, over an extended period of time. As a matter of fact, they knew that the lesbian couple were married to each other. And instead of telling them that, you know, they're living in sin and shaming their life, um, I think that this couple... Um, receive Christ as their savior, they stayed married because getting divorced is sin, right? And this couple is alive and thriving in the church. Now, this church does not marry gay people. They, they have their boundaries, but these people are thriving in the church. And they were accepted, and they were loved. And I just wanted to share that because, oh my God, it like brought me to tears and I thought it was some of the, I thought it was beautiful. Um, I, you know, like 
I have friends that are gay and I'm not gay myself, but when I'm standing around them, you know, I say nothing of it. You know, that's their lifestyle choice and that's their, that's how they want to live. And who am I to tell someone else how to live? If someone wants to ask me how I feel about homosexuality, I just tell them that I'm not gay and each and everyone can go their own way. It's their choice. They can live. And I don't think that it's fair from anybody from either side to condemn anyone. And it's a big mess what the world has gotten itself into with so many topics. Like, I mean, you name it, everyone's divided by it. You know, everybody has their own opinions. And especially now with social media and everyone having their platform and they feel like they, they're speaking to stadiums and they're selling out events because of their opinions. But that's not really the way it is at all. And people just can't take it when someone opposes them. And it's, it's pretty sad because it, you know, completely deletes the whole hope of a decent conversation and honest debate, really. So the reason why I'm bringing up this story is because I had an episode called Aroma. What type of vibes were you putting out? What type of person are you on the inside that illuminates from you out of the overflow of the heart? The mouth speaks. Um, then there comes thoughts, the big what ifs. And that one really was geared toward a lot of addictive personality traits that people can have and struggles and ruts of the mind. And it, you can be so drunk and you know, mind-numbed by your substances that you're putting into your body that you don't care about your actions anymore. Or you, you can be completely sober and be in error. There's that. But... This one's going to be on actions. So you got aroma, you're putting out that vibe. You got your thoughts in your inner, in your inner circle there going on in your mind, even as you lay down at night and you're thinking. And that's when you really find out who you are. I think that's a good study time, you know, to um, evaluate yourself and to recognize what's coming to surface in your life and how you're, you know, you're approaching folks and maybe what they see. You know, and to cut in right there, like I'm, you know, I, I'm in a punk band and play punk rock, and punk rock's all about. Oh, okay, what you think about me? You know, like you know, I really, really don't give a crap about what people think about me, but I care that how I project myself onto others, if that makes any sense. I don't want to hurt people. You know, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to live a life where people, you know, can turn around and point their finger at me and say that I did some damage. And even though like some things that I have done in my life have caused damage to others and, you know, I'm, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. So there's a list of things that I'm going to be going down throughout this episode that help me, um, to be honest, to be loyal, to be faithful, to be understanding, to listen, to st- you know, stop running my mouth to uh, stop being angry. Um, I don't hate anybody. You know, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, sometimes you want to hate, and it's easy to hate. It's easy to get mad. It's easy to turn around, and you know, um, just talk junk about something or someone or 
vent to people. And venting isn't really necessarily always healthy either. Um, so, you know, that old saying, you know, that, like, what would Jesus do? What would he do? You know? And it's like, if I have a, you know, a problem with somebody, you know, it's like Peter was asking Jesus, you know, am I supposed to forgive this person? You know? And Jesus says, yes, you have to forgive them. He says, but up to seven times. And he's like, up to 77 times seven times seven times seven times. Like, always forgive. Because in true forgiveness, you know how I found out what true forgiveness is? You don't talk about it anymore. When you really let something go, you don't talk about it anymore. You know, I had a, I had a problem with a woman that I worked with years ago. We were trying to, um, you know, grow our family. And this was the, we already had Madison, but this is before our twins were born. And I was standing there one morning and this would have been yeah, the second miscarriage that, you know, um, Crystal had at the time. And we were extremely frustrated and it was, it was super sad. And I had just gotten to work and I was like fixing to go outside. And I got a phone call saying that she, she was sitting in the bathroom and she was miscarrying and we needed to go to the hospital. Well, I, I said, okay. And I, I closed the phone. Um, and I went and told the woman at the place of employment that was the manager, company owner at the time, um, that I had to go, that my wife was, you know, stuck in the bathroom at the house miscarrying and I had to take her to the hospital. And she looked me straight in the face and told me that I had appointments and that I couldn't leave. Well, things didn't go her way that day. Let's just say that. But beyond that, I held on to that bitterness. I have no idea how I even remained at that job and was able to look that woman in the face every day. I literally hated that woman. I hated that woman with everything in me because of what she said to me. I wasn't intimidated by her anymore. I didn't give two shits about what she thought. Ooh, you said a bad word. And you hear that bitterness coming out of me? I, I can easily continue to go down that road. But let me tell you something else that happened with that story. I held on to so much bitterness and I got so tired of me even seeing her and hearing her voice because I would instantly, it was like a light switch. I would flip to hate mode that it was exhausting and it affected every single area in my life. But I also didn't think about maybe what was going on in her life. She had other employees. People were calling out all the time. There were things in her life that probably weren't going well. She was a business owner. And, you know, it, it, like when things aren't going well financially in a slow season, which it was, things can kind of, you know, you can overlook things that are important. It's kind of like being in a hurry. And that's when you always screw up the most, you know, is when you're in a hurry. But I didn't think about anything in her life. I thought about something in my life. And then I kept thinking about my life and how that affected me. And the way that I handled that situation was, you know, then I, you know, I put my phone in my pocket and just walked out the door and there was nothing that they could do about it. Amazingly enough, the next 
couple days after I came back to work and for some communication, I still had my job without question. Because once other people found out about what happened, you know, that you know, there ain't no reason to let anybody go. That's a person that's a reason to let someone go to the hospital with their spouse. But almost a year later, <laughs> it just took everything in me to finally turn around and just say to her, Look, I'm sorry. I've been hanging on to this bitterness and I don't like you. And I need to get that out of the way. And the moment that she heard that, she told me that she was sorry and that she was holding on to just, she didn't know how to express herself on the matter because it was such a sensitive issue. And that whole year had gone by. We had twins. Even the moment where we kind of rejoiced in the office where we had the ultrasound there. And she was just kind of standoffish. And her husband looked at me and he said, you know, you tried twice and it didn't work. And this time you, you got twins. You know, the moral of the story is in scripture it tells us if we have an issue with someone and we want to go worship, no wonder it says to go to that person and make things right before you go to the altar to worship God. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. We shun God and we hate him and we say he's evil, but he always tries to get us to, to do right and to clean up. And to make things right with others, even before pursuing him. <sighs> it's pretty wild. But people aren't perfect. People are not perfect. <sighs> Hate is such an easy thing. You know, it's an easy wave to catch, and you can ride it all the way to the shore. And it's like a tsunami when it gets there. It destroys everything in its path. And most of all, it exhausts you on the inside. You are rotten, rotten to the core. I was reading in Proverbs about, um, it says that there are six things that the Lord hates. And there are seven things that he detests haughty eyes a person that's puffed up prideful a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devices wicked schemes feet that are quick to rush to evil a false witness who pours out lies. A person who stirs up conflict in a community. That was a big one. I was stirring up conflict. I was so mad at that woman that I would do anything and say the worst things. Inside and outside. It did everyone that heard me and myself no good. So what about going in the other direction? What about the things that God loves 
what does that do? If I were to remember the things that God loves in the situations where I was creating havoc, bitterness, and eventually leading to hate, which is just as guilty as murder in God's eyes, you're not only killing someone else in your mind, you're killing yourself. You're draining yourself of anything good that could possibly come out of you when you're filled with hate. That's why there's so many songs about it. But love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, honesty, humility. Instead of holding on to something for that long like I did, what if I would have just turned around and told her that I forgive her for what she did and that I loved her when I got back to work after taking care of the emergency? What if those people at that church looked at that lesbian couple and said, God hates fags instead of showing them love. Why? Why do people get filled with things that make them into these puppets of hatred? Why do people harbor bitterness and hold on to grudges without releasing it. I think it's because venting to others and getting the support back that you're right, they're wrong makes us feel good. It's that dopamine release in the head there. Uh, I think it's why, you know, like this is why I say that people that post all their problems online are making idiotic decisions by doing so because they get all this information back from too many sources and it puffs up the wrong side of their minds and it makes them think that they're the victim when they could be out there turning themselves around and doing good for themselves and doing good for others and helping others despite what people, how people have wronged them. People vent on Facebook about the car in front of them as if the person that they don't know in front of them in the other car is going to read their Facebook post. I think that that is the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my life. Maybe I sound like an old man here, but that's just the, one of the top examples that I can think of because I saw it this morning. God help us. <gasps> but what if in every situation that we turn things around and you know when you start feeling angry inside that it's easy to float down the river completely made of sewage which only leads it's just disgusting and it doesn't 
help you. But what if in the moment we could remember to turn around, face the issue, and then our actions brought forth love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, honesty, and humility. What if? What if? Yeah, what if? Sounds to me, if you listen to the last episode here, like I'm turning those ifs that are doubts into a positive thing. Because I've laid there long enough at night and I've thought about my life being sober and how boring it is or how exhausting it is or how just irritating it is that everybody's having fun because I allowed those ifs, those doubts to turn into frustration. Once the frustration started, it turned into like a a self-hate. But I'll tell you one thing, while I was lying there and I was thinking about all those ifs that compacted themselves into a big if sandwich, I thought to myself, what in the Sam hell am I thinking about here? What is the deliverance procedure going to be like when I wake up in the morning? So in those moments, in my thoughts and in my battlefield of the mind, when it's everything is raging against me, so it seems, in the peace and the stillness and the quietness and the dead in the a.m. hours. I picked up my sword and I went to battle. I fought for weeks and months and I still fight. I don't think about it that way anymore. I like sobriety. I like knowing that the path that I've chosen to take is going to bring more days of health, joy, clarity, peace, and proper direction to my life. I was talking to a guy the other day. I went to my first uh, gender reveal party. Yay! It was all right. It was just like it's, it is on TikTok, you know? The, the surprise was a surprise, and the food was good, and the people were cool. But I got to talking to this one guy about how, you know, drinking is, it can have quite a grip on you. And I had mentioned that I'm doing this show to him, and he hasn't checked it out yet, and I hope that he does. And I hope that he's listening because, you know, he's... I think he's he realizes it, and it all begins with a thought. Like I said, sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes months to quit. And when you do, just just quit. But I told him, he, he, he was just like, yeah, the only time, I'm sorry, he told me the only time really that him and his wife get in arguments is when he's drinking. And I said, you know, that's wild because the only time me and my wife ever got in stupid, annoying, pointless, dumb, idiotic, raging 
foolish, stupid arguments was when I, I was drunk. She can have a buzz and have a blast, but if alcohol started to turn me into a monster, a real dumbass. And I told him that that's the only time that we ever argued. And the only time that we ever argue now is, is if we're in a hurry. We get snappy at each other and somebody always leaves something in the house and just, somebody's got to slam on brakes, you know, and go back and go get the, So in all honesty, to be sure of yourself is a good thing. To trust yourself is a wonderful thing. I didn't trust myself whenever I was laying there drunk all the time. I didn't know what was going to happen day after day because I had numbed myself, as I mentioned before. That's what life's like when you're numb. It all begins with a thought, and my thoughts were not clear. Now they are. Even after I've battled it alone, and I wasn't alone, but I'm... I'm I'm talking about how I'm just laying there like 1 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday and I'm just battling and raging inside of my mind. That's part of the process. Because when your thinking becomes clear and, you, and you're seeking sobriety and then you're seeking God and you're trying so hard to do better, it's just part of the process. If you don't go through that, I don't think you're ever going to be able to handle anything. I heard a story, an analogy or whatever. It's like a uh it's like baby chickens. There's this girl that the the hen had died and left the eggs, and this girl took the eggs and put them under a heat lamp and took care of them in a little cage. And um, one day she noticed that some of the eggs were starting to hatch. Well, she she took a little, she took little, you know, tweezers or whatever and opened up the shells so the little chickens could come out, little chicks could come out. And, you know, she helped them get out of the egg. And then only to turn around a couple of weeks later, the baby chicks died. And she didn't understand it at the time until she actually heard why. Because she thought she was doing everything by the book. She thought she was did good helping them out. But the one thing she did by helping them out was they're supposed to bust out of them eggs by themselves. The struggle is real. And it, like, does something internally for them to where they can, you know, live their days as the animal that they are intended to be that's... That's how they're supposed to do it. And sometimes we need to go through hardships and face our battles alone in order for us to survive. Sometimes we need to go through these things. Life teaches us these lessons because it's intended to help someone else. It may feel like you're alone but you clearly are not. I want to read something I wrote when I reached the 200-day mark of sobriety. 
I realize that that is a small number, but then to me, it was a major accomplishment. Uh, I'd never been sober that long before. And um, I wrote this down. It says, I never thought I'd be here. Where have all the days gone? After all the clarity set in, I've dried out from going numb. Numb to the fact of the people that I've hurt. Inside this skin of mine is too crisp and burnt. Shrugging off all that mattered, it all comes back served on a platter. Separated from the drink, but the thirst always remains. Just when I think I'm over it, it gets thrown right back in my face. How do I thank God for something I'm fixing myself? Or at least I thought I did. Then things go to shit. Depression creeps in. I shut down. And then it starts all over again. It's only been 200 days. I've asked God to help me. And he still hasn't shown up. Maybe it's because I never grew up. What I have to say about the whole God thing in that is that's before I... I that was when I was having my nervous breakdown. I think that's right when it started and things were, the water was starting to boil and boy, did it go to overflow. And man, it, it was a real difficult time. God was there. God was there the whole time. He guided me through so much. And once I think I broke through a shell and I started coming out and my mind could focus and receive things from not being numb. My heart was completely broken. I was extremely exhausted and I accepted the fact that I can do nothing without God by my side. I can't be a good father. I can't be a good husband. I can't work hard. I can't be honest. I can't use my talents because I honestly, you know, I am, sure I'm, I am in awe of my surroundings. And what I mean by that is a fool, as it says in the Bible, looks around and says, it looks around at all that's around him, the creation, life, and says there is no God. But we are surrounded by his creation. And to not be in his creation, I can't even imagine what that must be like. That's got to suck because life is good and life is beautiful. And when I began to think like that, and I began to see how beautifully constructed life is by God. It's not religion, dude. It is, it's his handiwork, and he is amazing. And it's so beautiful. Everything about him is just awesome. I was going the wrong way. For a long time. And now I'm going the right way. And this is the right time. And I've got to tell everybody about it. And that's what I feel I'm supposed to do. 
I have so many notes for this show, and I have not read one single thing except for the top of the piece of paper here. I love it when shows go like this. It's just amazing because I, yeah, it's a God thing, dude. <laughs> so I want to... Uh, you ever wonder what the Sermon on the Mount sounds like backwards? I'm going to play it backwards for you. And then I'm going to play it forwards for you. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of backwards that seems like, I'm talking about the kind of backwards where it's a lesson. Check this out. The Sermon on the Mount forward lays out the kingdom of God, but the Sermon on the Mount backward lays out the kingdom of man. So if you build your house on the sand, you're a false disciple that listens to false prophets, which is taking the easy road, the wide gate. You don't ask, seek, and knock of God. Instead, you're judging others, which actually raises your anxiety even as you try to store up treasures here on earth. Even if you fast and pray and give, you're doing so not for inward transformation, but for outward approval. So you don't love your enemies. Instead, you live by an eye for an eye, which means your word is pointless even to those that you love the most. You will actually murder other people for your own protection, which is the way of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so you are not the light and the salt of this culture. Instead, you are the persecutors that no longer make peace because you're not pure in heart. You don't give mercy because you haven't received mercy. You don't hunger and thirst for righteousness because you think you already have it. You don't mourn your sin all because you think you're rich in spirit. That is the kingdom of man. Let's play this thing forward, shall we? Sermon on the Mount in 50 seconds. The kingdom of God belongs to the poor in spirit, which causes us to be peacemakers. And yet, whenever we try to make peace in this culture, we will be persecuted. But we can rejoice and be glad in the midst of that persecution, which will allow us to be salt and light, which is actually a righteousness that surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees. So we don't have to be driven by anger. We actually want to reconcile with others, including the very ones that we're married to. And our word can become our bond, not as we're living out an eye for an eye, but forgiving one another, even our enemies, which empowers us us then to live a righteousness on the inside. So as we give, as we pray, as we fast, we're actually storing up treasures in heaven, which lowers our anxiety, no longer needing to judge one another because we ask, seek and knock of God to make this true within our own lives, which is the narrow gate, listening to the true prophets, making us true disciples as we build our house upon the rock. All that being said, I have to make a decision. I have to choose my actions. I have to think and I have to be what I think. If I think selfishly or negative and walk backwards and gain everything for myself, I'm totally going in the wrong way, which will lead me towards a very destructive lifestyle. And that was the way that I was going. But if I decide to go forward and I think about it over and over and over again, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what Jesus said. And I pursue inside of me love. Whenever I'm really angry at someone or at something, yes, sometimes I can fly off the handle. I could use the excuse, well, I'm a ginger, and you know us gingers, we do have a short fuse. Blah. Let's get real here. I learned about patience from the most impatient person I have ever met in my life. The same man that told me, you know, patience is resting in the confident knowledge of the result. 
That in and of itself goes a long way. And he wasn't redheaded. But man, that dude has a short fuse. He's also the dude that told me that he doesn't need to read the word of God every day because it is, it is in him. I disagree with that 110%. I think you need to pick up your Bible and read if you ever have that come out of your mouth. Because you have to eat on a daily basis you know, to have your nutrition and your energy. Well, the same thing goes with the word, you know? You got you to gotta read and soak in, meditate, pray, uh, seek God. Put the words into thoughts and let those thoughts become your actions and live out what you're taking in. It's important. So, yeah, all the times that I saw that man, you know, flip out, which was quite often. I still love that dude. He's not perfect, okay? No one's perfect. I flip out. He flips out. We all flip out. Yay! So, uh, I learned a lot by watching him and how he is. But he loves people and he's, he's real cool. And man, boy, is he imperfect. <laughs> boy, am I imperfect. The only one that's perfect is God. I was reading in Galatians chapter 5. And stumbled across uh, verse 15. It stuck out. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I think about people that get online and just verbally assassinate each other. And just, oh, the slaughterhouse is immeasurable along those lines. I try to be the same person I am online that I am in person. A lot of people cower when they get to be face-to-face with someone. They don't have the balls to tell them in person what they would tell them online. Because it's their safe space. That's another thing that's really freaking stupid. Your thoughts, man. We're in a digital age where you spend a lot of time alone staring at a screen. I got so tired of people and their self-righteousness and their opinions that don't matter because whenever drama and issues and hatred all comes to surface. It's like a news cycle. There's so much information happening all at once. Everything is just so easily forgotten and life moves on. Yeah. But that doesn't stop the consistency of hatred. You can choose your cycle. You can choose what you want to be wrapped up in. You know, it's like your life's algorithm, for God's sakes. I think uh, a little later on in Galatians, it says to walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, which Christ came and got rid of the law. If you want to know what the law is, read the Old Testament. It's a lot of fun, but <laughs> it, it helps you understand. But going back to Galatians, verse ni- five, <laughs> chapter 5, verse 19 starts, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Boy, does that uh, let us keep in step with the Spirit stick out like a sore thumb here. If you're pursuing God and you're trying to choke out your old ways of life, stay in his word. Realize what you're reading has life attached to it and that you are running to life and you are running away from death. Pursue God. Keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. Congratulations, by the way, if you've made it to this episode in the podcast and you've started from the introduction. Some people don't know where to start with it. Um, it really goes in no order. But if you've stayed consistent with it, thank you very much because I hope that it's helping you develop some faith and some understanding about who God is, what he's up to, what his intentions are. His intentions are to let us grow and understand him, let us worship him, and let us serve him because it serves others. And may our faith in him, which builds each other up, consistently be growing on a daily basis to grow and nurture the love that each of us has to give to each other consistently. That is faith in full operation. Once saved, always saved is an issue that I've heard there's there that's another topic just like the rapture of the church and the you know uh oh, just uh, we screw everything up but anyway i think you know like the story of the prodigal son where god can remove his hand from us and we can go our own way for a while and we can we can seriously experience some pieces of life that are just not good but he is still there he is always there but then again, the further that we go and the more disobedient and the more we starve ourselves from the meat and taters, which is the word, we, 
we become stagnant, we become stale, we become bitter, and we listen to conflicting messages given to us as the Bible calls the world setting. And there's evil out there, and it is a consistent battle. And wait till you feel it in your spirit, dude. It's, it's actually more eye-opening than a physical presence of anything or anyone I've ever experienced. I want to play a clip of a gentleman that I found uh, on TikTok. This guy is a pastor of a church in the upstate of South Carolina, and his posts are short, simple, sweet, and to the point, filled with love and filled with encouragement and how God actually moves and communicates with the heart and can change the heart. Even if you're a believer, that's becoming stale, stagnant, going in the wrong direction and how God steps in and points at the right direction for you to go in. Check this out. This is where I screwed up. When I was younger, I thought that all I needed to do was invite Christ to my life and that would fix all my problems, but it didn't. But the preacher said that if I invited him in, that everything would be okay, but it wasn't. As I've grown in my relationship with God, this is one of the realizations that I've had. When I say things like I'm gonna invite him into my life, I'm making it about me, my schedule, my agenda, my problems. And the issues that I had, the anger, the resentment, the addictions, all that stuff just got worse. But isn't he supposed to fix all that? Major discouragement. But then one day I had a realization. I had been inviting him to join me in life, making it about me, and he had been inviting me to life. What? I began to realize that I had just invited him in to fix my problems, not to pursue him. And that's a problem. Don't get me wrong, God wants to fix them. But I was doing it backwards. Because when I started pursuing the life he had invited me to, I began to pay less attention to my problems and more attention to the life that he had led me to. And while I was out there pursuing the life he had led me to, he was back there fixing all my issues. Is that not crazy? So instead of inviting him into our life and making it about us, we should pursue the life he's invited us to. And when we do that, God fills us up with love, kindness, gentleness, patience, self-control. So we're also known as the fruits of the spirit. And without even knowing it, it forces all those other things out of us. When I stopped trying to force God into my agenda and started pursuing him and his agenda, he filled me up with fruit that pushed all that crap out of my life. Be fruitful, my friends. He is too good to ignore. He is around everywhere, all the time, every second. And I love it. I ask God every day for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I can know him better. And by asking him that, he delivers he gives me the desire of my heart. The desires of my heart have changed so much since October when I decided to dive in, drop everything that I have, and follow God. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler and the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. The thoughts and the desires the hauntings at night that are at war with my soul. 
It's like every time I think about things I know that can drag me down, I pick up the pieces and I put them all back together again. And I solve the issue in that moment. I don't feed the monster anymore. And it took me a while to get there. It took me a long time to get there. And this is when I'm laying there and I'm fighting and I'm thinking about, like, I catch myself talking about beer sometimes and how I used to love beer and pizza or just a, just a good Guinness or a Murphy Stout. You know, I love those beers, man. I do. I really do. I think the taste is great. And I, you know, I could probably have a beer with a slice of pizza and not drink for another year, but I'm not going to do it. It's so easy to order a beer, to get a beer, to make excuses, to sound okay, to allow myself to have one. Oh, it's all right. No, it's not all right. There are a lot of us out there where it's not okay, and your body was telling you that it's not okay. So you somehow got the thought in your head that maybe I should stop, and then the battle begins. If the thought was there, that's awesome. Congratulations, because that's the first step in the right direction. Think about it. Now you got to have actions. Now you got to back it up. So this show and the last show is primarily with those that have addictions and have issues. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's porn. Maybe, you're ha- maybe you have a, a heroin addiction. Maybe you can't stop eating pills. Maybe you're a liar. Maybe you have an eating disorder. Maybe it's depression and anxiety. Whatever it is, you have the power in your moments where it's just you to really tap into something. And I want to encourage you, brick by brick, step by step, second by second, to pursue health. Pursue Peace. And when I say peace, I mean God. If you doubt God, ask him to show up to show himself to you because there's nothing more he would love to do than to make you go, whoa! Please evaluate yourself every day. Whenever you wake up, ask God to show up in your day. Please ask him to show up in the little ways now that make things so much bigger later. Because with us, to God, it's probably like fixing a car. You got to start small, go big. He will fix you if you need him. And he will love you if you want him to. Because he already does anyway, and there's nothing you can do about it. Whether you believe it or not, he loves you. 
You don't have to do anything to impress him. You don't have to do anything to impress others. You can come to him in all of your shame, in all of your guilt, in all of your madness, in all of your filth and your addiction. You can come to him in all of your sadness, your depression. You can come to him with every single frustration and impatient issue that you have. You can come to him with your ego. You can come to him if you feel stupid. You can come to him if you can't stop gossiping. You can come to him to learn how to serve. You can come to him for peace because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And when you pursue him and you actually allow him to come in and to transform you and to give you peace, you realize everything that the world tells you about God isn't true. And it's not a religion, dude. It's not. There is something so genuine and so special about how real he actually is. I ask myself this question all the time. And the question is, whenever I see someone that is so damaged and so bitter and so raging mad at Christians, I ask myself, And sometimes I get the privilege of asking that person. But sometimes, like, if I just see people in the news or see people, you know, everywhere else. I ask myself this thing, and it really balances things out for me. I ask myself, did God actually do something to them? Or are they just pissed off at somebody else? Huh? What's the real reality? Because we all know just how easy it is just to blame something or somebody else for every single bit of bitterness, anger, frustration, or problem that we have in our life without even examining ourselves. Where's God? A lot of people ask, where is he if he... He loves us so much. I have an answer for that. Going back to the story of the lesbian married couple that went to the church because they wanted to believe. Man, I bet some people have a real big problem with that. And I'm sure at the same time, while those people are standing there in their Soaking in their self-righteousness, as I like to say, with their crossed arms or or pointing fingers at those fags that God hates. God was in the hearts of the people in that church, allowing those people to come in through those doors, to grow in their community, to hear the word of God, to stay married, and to actually serve the Lord. Because they were hungry for him. That is a tough situation to judge. And I don't think it's up to us to judge that situation. It's up to us to accept and to love people 
No one's perfect. And Christ came and died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice to take our sin away. And when we stand there and judge people that are hurting and hungry for the things of God, gay, straight, bi, black, white, trans, midget, maimed, I don't care. Whatever it is, we are supposed to love that person and treat them with dignity and respect. Christ turned and talked to the thief on the cross just before he died on the cross. And I want to end this show with a clip that I found of a gentleman on TikTok talking about it. And it moved me so much because every time I see someone mad at God, I think about the bitterness stored up in their heart and how people damage each other because of righteousness or judgment. The Bible says not to do certain things. You know, it says not to live a certain way. It says not to let the sun go down on your anger and it warns against it. It doesn't say to hate anything for your benefit. It says to love. It says to love your neighbor and to treat people like you want to be treated. Why can we not understand the joy and the peace of God through the sacrifice of his son on the cross? It is love and all are welcome to receive that. It is a free gift. It is for everyone. People say, well, ain't nothing free. Something's always costing something. Yeah, God paid for it. So it's free to us, dude. Yep. Yep. It's done. It is finished. And just remember, religion says do. And Christ says done. I'm going to leave you with a clip here I found of a gentleman talking about the thief on the cross. This blows my mind and shows me the mind of God and the heart of God and maybe just try to pursue that, you know? Maybe we should all try to pursue that, this way of thinking, this way of living, this way of being towards each other. Why don't we knock down the walls of judgment and just see what happens in our life? Whenever you feel yourself judging someone, just stop. Stop right there in your thoughts and then let your actions be love. Walk in love. That's important. It's very difficult, but it can be done. So until next time, peace be with you guys. I love you. If you need prayer for anything, you can hit me up at beautyinthebreakdown803 at gmail.com. Be more than happy to pray for you. If you have a testimony or a story, you can hit me up as well. Hit me up about anything you want, man. Um, you guys take care. I love you. Enjoy the clip. How does the thief on the cross fit your theology? No baptism, no confirmation, no communion. Never gave a dime. 
never spoke in tongues, never wore church clothes. In fact, he never even said the sinner's prayer, and he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain, didn't heal his body, yet it was that very thief who walked into paradise with Jesus that day, simply by believing. I mean, he had nothing he could offer Jesus except that belief, right? He wasn't some brilliant theologian you follow on Instagram. No ego, no radio platform, no shiny lights, no donuts or coffee in the lobby of a church. He was just a naked man dying on the cross who recognized the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life that's the gospel complex yes but so simple whoever you are just believe